when I get together with people for mentoring things, I, I just kind of have a few kind of ground rules. First of all, I, I don't have like a programmatic thing. So I say, what you got to come to me with is questions. I'll sit down and answer your questions and we'll talk about them and go over one. And then um, it's also helpful for me if, the, if we have some kind of, you know, time schedule. In other words, you know what? Look, if it's just kind of be, well, let's get together and we'll have a two and a half hour meandering chat about things. It's like, you know what? I don't got time for that. I got too many things going on. But a 20 or 30 minute call or something like that, man, I'm in. That, that sounds amazing. But I, I want the person that I'm meeting with to be prepared ahead of time with some questions. And uh, that way, I really don't have to, like, prepare for it so much. But, man, I'm, I, I love just to sit down and talk and answer questions and follow whatever trails those things present themselves with. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 212. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. Uh, The panel discussion that you're about to hear uh, was recorded in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and it took place immediately after Pilgrim Benham did a talk about preaching mentorships and meaningful feedback, where he introduced some of these concepts that are teased out in the panel discussion. So make sure that you listen to episode 211 if you want more details on what this means or what this looks like. You could find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube, um, or however you found this episode, you could find episode 211. So the panelists are Pilgrim Benham, obviously, as well as David Guzik, Nick and Rosemary Katie, Cody and Micah King, and they tackle questions from the audience concerning some of the ins and outs of preaching mentorships. Uh, Questions like these. How do I find someone to mentor me? What if they say no? Uh, What do I do if somebody asks me to mentor them? Um, As well as a distinction between Christian discipleship in general and mentorship that focuses on Bible teaching in particular. Okay, enjoy the panel discussion. I'm going to chime in again at the end. So we're going to explore this a little deeper. Pilgrim gave us a great biblical precedent for this and some, some just kind of how it works. But just like when we talked about sermon prep and outlining and all those things, it's, it's different. It just works differently. But we want to really encourage you to, to seek out either being mentored or being a mentor or both. Okay. So I brought these guys up here. They have, they do things differently, and so we want to get some questions in your mind based on what Pilgrim talked about. But um, if nobody has a question right away, anybody, I'll I'll, I'll just start talking um, and ask um, Nick and Rose um, to just pick up where, you, where what you were talking about yesterday about what you do and in light of what Pilgrim shared with us. It's just giving one example of how sure. this so, works. So what we do, um, and Rosemary might do something different. I know you actually do. You have a mentoring thing with some ladies in the women's ministry. Um, we have five guys who meet in a group right now, and we've been doing it for a couple of years now, where we meet on, now Tuesdays used to be Mondays, but whoever's teaching that week uh, comes with their outline prepared as much as they have prepared. Sometimes it's a really thorough outline. Sometimes they're like, 
I read the passage and now I need help, right? So whatever it is that they have prepared and then together we'll read the scripture together. We'll break it up, you know, between five people and then we will begin to work through it. We're looking for, you know, help with the big idea of the passage, help with breaking it down into points, help with some some certain points. Like this week, uh, we were looking at 1 Corinthians 7, and there's this one verse about sanctifying the family. I said, let's talk about this. Like, let's do some research. Let's do some work, cross-references, and we do it together. We're sharing ideas. And you know, what's really helpful about this, this has happened multiple times, is that sometimes during this meeting, one of the people in the group will say, hey, you know, I think we're missing the whole point of this. And they'll bring in something else. And it's just so helpful to have different eyes on my notes. Because like, like we were talking about earlier, we all have blind spots and we don't know what they are. That's what it means to be blind to them. And um, I, I think that for the sake of our listeners, it's better if we, if we do this collaboratively. But here's the other thing that it accomplishes. And this is something that one of the men in my group, Mike, Mike Payne right here, he, um, he was telling me, about another pastor who did this, who would always just be bringing young people into his office, studying the scriptures, and as a result, always raising up a new generation. And the result of this is, as you bring somebody into the process, you bring like, let's say we have a couple guys brought into this process, they see how a sermon is actually created. They, they see the emphases that I'm looking for in each week, how, the, how it's actually done. And what that does, it teaches them to do it too. And as a result, we have now a teaching team in our church. So if I get sick or whatever happens, it's it's okay, right? We have other people to teach. We're not reliant on outside teachers and things like that. We have a teaching team. It's just better for the church. It's better for everybody. So um, at our church, I lead the women's ministry, and um, I do it differently. So I... Uh, of these other women that I give opportunities to teach and we just sit down together and I have them come up with what points they want to talk about, what they see in the text and what they want to present. And so we just go over that and um, I try to help them see it um, in the, the ways that we've been teaching today. So to tie it into the big picture and what the Bible talks about as the gospel message. And so we talk about um, just so many different scriptures in the women's ministry. But for example, I, I always tell them I don't want them to just, you know, insert themselves into the story and just see what does this mean for me, but to uh, give it context. And so we, um, I think these ideas, what we've been learning here at this seminar are just so useful. And these women um, have just grown in their teaching skills and they are able to give that context and the history and just really give a good teaching and the way that our uh, women are growing is they just hear that we have excellent teaching and they want to come and they learn and they grow. And so I just feel like equipping these other women. So a couple of them are older than me even, and one's much younger. And I just love working with this woman who's younger than me. I feel like she's like a model for women's ministry because she has six kids and she's pregnant with her seventh. And so for those out there who are always saying, I'm too busy, um, she's definitely busy, but she says it's so important for me to be um, receiving and to be in fellowship. So she comes and she wants to work with us. That's great. And, you know, I agree with Nick that we all have blind spots because I'm teaching at Nick's church tomorrow. 
and I was sharing my message with them. And he said, you're not going to teach that, are you really? I said, yeah. He said, are you sure? Really? So I have to rewrite my sermon today. But um, actually, that happened. So I'm just <laughs> There's an understory there. Okay. Pete, a little bit of a side thing here, but I just want to share it quickly. Yeah. When I hear Nick about speaking about sharing the pulpit, I'm reflecting on kind of the pastoral culture I was raised in. And it was like, it was perceived as being like a sin to be promiscuous with the pulpit. You know, promiscuous? you really jealously guard it and you rarely have anybody else preach. And if you do, it's a very small circle of people that you let come and preach. And um, I, I'm glad that that's changed a lot. But I, I do just want to say that if you know of pastors who are still really jealous of the pulpit, give them some understanding. Because sure, it really yeah. was that kind of thing that I kind of grew up with. Uh, and I don't know. In some ways it was said. In other ways it was just kind of communicated. But yeah, it was definitely there. Look, everything that we're talking about here, we're not telling you what to do. We're just yeah. giving some latitude we understand that this is a younger generation and you said it good. And so, yeah, look, there, I, there's a, a thousand different ways to do church. Sure. And right. Yeah. And I, I came to the place where I started sharing the pulpit a lot more and was pleased I did it and wished I would have done it more in my younger ministry. So, and I think, I think a, just to add to that, David is Nick is intentional, right? With this, culture for teaching in his church. So that's his church. So he's the chief, he's the, he's the lead pastor, right? But I think if you're just tired, right, that's in the, like, man, I don't want to preach this weekend. Hey, can you preach? I think that's the other, Yeah. maybe every once in a while, if you're sick, I, I get it, but that's not what we're talking. That's not what right. Nick is proposing. Yeah. 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 We're not like, Deciding on Tuesday who's going to preach <laughs> yeah. on Sunday, right? Probably yeah. Have a preaching schedule marked. We have six a, months. We do. Nine yeah. months. A yeah. year? No. No. <laughs> Nine Co months. Couple months. And I know some things, you know, coming up. And so, yeah. It's more. Couple it's got to be like six months. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I no, was a sidecar. Good. We have a question hey, to get us back on track. We need to get back on Main Street, Dick. Okay. Hey, Pete, can I add one thing real quick? Um, so, for those of you guys here, who don't have opportunities to give your sermon notes and just get you know feedback from your pastor, um, maybe take advantage of your group leader here. That's why we're here. We want this to be an ongoing relationship. I've done seven of these expositor collectives, and each time I've had at least five people in our group, and only about two or three of them have actually taken me up on that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just encourage you guys, like share the, your phone number, send your sermon notes, and, and receive feedback, at least from the guys who are here. Uh, yes, my question, um, some of you guys that maybe have been under shepherds for a period of time and then stepped into um, a lead pastor role or whatever, how can, how did you balance being both Barnabas and Timothy, right? I'm in a position personally where uh, I want to be what my pastor needs me to be in whatever moment, uh, whether it's encouraging him in his gifting and, and growing in that, but also growing myself. And so I don't know if, if you guys, any of you guys could share on how to do 
both and grow yourself while you're uh, pouring into someone else in, in an encouragement kind of vibe. Yeah, I would say that the, the biggest thing that you want to, so I have unique experience. Well, maybe it's not super unique, but it, it seems that way to me sometimes where I was in a youth pastor position and then I was in an assistant pastor position on a church plant. And now I've been the lead pastor on a church plant. So kind of three different ones. I see it from those different perspectives. What I would say is if you are, if you're coming in an assisting role, the best thing that you can do is raise up other people. To, to be the, someone who is training up others as well. So don't just see yourself as I'm, I'm under this uh, leadership. That's vitally important, and you want to be able to carry out the mission and the goal of that specific church in that specific place for sure. But you also want to be training up other people. It's not that you necessarily do all of these things, but that you're actively looking for other leaders to raise up and to pour into as well. So it, you are playing both which you should be playing both roles at all times in your life anyway. Great. So I just want to know what's going on. It, like, do, do their sanctifying the family need to be with yeah. Cody, you, and Micah? Pilgrim just wants to sit next to my wife. Oh, I see. Okay. Just want to make sure everything's okay there. <laughs> he, he's really when, about making room for when the they Holy When they first Spirit. sat down, I said, I'm a rose between two thorns. But... <laughs> I guess just a like kind of a follow up to that from from a practical standpoint. Do you guys all still maintain some level of like having a consistent mentor? And like, what is that? What does that look like? Is it just like a group of guys or or gals that you share your notes with and get feedback from, or do you have like? you know, somebody who taught you initially and now they still maintain that relationship. How often do you meet with them? Like, I guess from that, like practical breakdown standpoint, what does that look like? I'll jump in real quick. I I know David, you've got some really good thoughts on uh, younger people approaching you as a mentor that I hope that you'll share, but uh, I'll tell you this, that I've, I've had some mentors. I still do. I'm always looking for, guys who are mentors, here's what I would say to look for in a mentor. Look for somebody who is maybe a few steps ahead of where you are, right? Like a few steps ahead down the road um, from where you are, maybe where you want to end up. And I would say this, and this is kind of related to what I was hoping David would say, but it's that I, I don't like have a standing meeting with these people. Some people do that kind of mentorship. But for me, I know that these people are there. I also know that they're quite busy. And um, So what I'll do is I'll reach out to them, but I'll have some very distinct things that I want to talk about. I don't want to waste their time. I want to honor their time. And so I will make sure that I'm prepared. And then I'll reach out to them and say, hey, could you help me with this one thing? We'll have a conversation, et cetera. So that's that's how I do it. I I do always look for people who are a few steps ahead of me, and and I want to be always learning. You got a follow-up question there few steps ahead, does age matter in that context or do you not worry about age there? I'm not particularly worried about age. I think in some cases, um, you know, I've been pastoring, I've, I've been a lead pastor since I was 21 years old, right? So as far as like longevity in ministry, I actually want to find somebody who's been in ministry longer than I have or who's been in, uh, let's say, let's say this, I'm pastoring a church of a certain size I might look for somebody who's 
you know, leading a staff that's bigger than mine if my issue that I want to talk about is how to lead a staff, right? Or, or it might be things related to that. So age isn't the number one factor. It'd be more about regarding that specific issue, somebody who's a little further along. Maybe it is about longevity in ministry, in which case I will want to talk to somebody who is older than me. So when I uh, get together with people for mentoring things, I, I just kind of have a few kind of ground rules. First of all, I, I don't have like a programmatic thing. So I say, what you got to come to me with is questions. I'll sit down and answer your questions and we'll talk about them and go over one. And then um, it's also helpful for me if, the, if we have some kind of, uh, you know, time scheduled. In other words, you know what? Look, if it's just kind of be, well, let's get together and we'll have a two and a half hour meandering chat about things. It's like, you know what? I don't got time for that. I got too many things going on. But uh, a, a 20 or 30 minute call or something like that, man, I'm in. That, that sounds amazing. But I, I want the person that I'm meeting with to be prepared ahead of time with some questions. And uh, that way, I really don't have to like prepare for it so much. But man, I'm, I, I love just to sit down and talk and answer questions and follow whatever trails those things present themselves with. Anyone else have anything to add? Don't be shy and don't, okay, two things. Yeah. Don't be shy about asking people for mentorship stuff. I mean, I, I kick myself to this day because I, I always was way too shy. And uh, I could have approached a guy who is an unbelievable hero to me. Most of you probably never heard of him. He was a great man who died more than 25 years ago. The late Dr. J. Edwin Orr. He lived 20 minutes away from me. Uh, for like the last, I don't know, 10 years of his life. And I bet if I would have approached him and just said, Dr. Or can we get together? I'll call you up and ask you questions. I bet he would have done it. Um, especially if I would have volunteered to do yard work or something for him. <laughs> but um, I kick myself to this day. Why didn't I do that? I, I wish I would have. Um, but by the same token, don't feel crushed. Don't take it personal if they say, I'm sorry, I can't do it or we'll have to delay it or something like that. Don't be crushed. It's just, that's just how it is. Don't, don't take it personal. So Yeah, and on that note, David, <clears throat> um, I think it's unfair to have, you know, you're, we're teaching this stuff, but don't impose that. A lot of you are assistants. You may be on staff or you're just, you have a pastor. Maybe you're just a, a lay person in your church or you, it's unfair to impose this on your senior pastor. I mean, yeah. it, it's like you said, don't be shy. But he's like, you know, I, I'm discipling you from the pulpit, whatever. Yeah. And that's their prerogative. It's fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I just want to add that there's something incredible about a little bit more of an informal mentorship as well that we can't neglect. You know, if, if you come to your pastor and they're, t they're kind of overwhelmed, they're not really in that place where they can meet with you more regularly, then be around. Be around the church. Be around the staff. Be around the leadership. I feel like 
you know, when I look at our life, I don't know that there was a lot of formal mentorship, but we were just there. We were gleaning everything that we could. We analyzed things. When we had the opportunity, we would ask pointed questions. And that was very powerful for us just to be around, learn the culture, learn what the, you know, leadership was doing and and be observant in that way. And so um, just to kind of throw that out there that it's not to be overlooked, you know, observant. Yeah, that's good. Questions? Yeah, I have a question. So, um, yeah, being in the position of like a youth leader, we've been talking a lot about mentees searching out their mentors, whereas I'm more in a position of uh, I'm being called on to go get mentees and to, to mentor these kids that are younger because they're not actively, most of them coming to you like, hey, I, can you mentor me? So in that situation, um, yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm a little, I don't know, lost as, as to like what to do. Like, do I just generally encourage them? Uh, is this just more about like a one-on-one getting to know where they're at and finding out where they're specifically at with various struggles then okay and for them and that like i don't know i don't i don't want to come into it and waste their time and just like blab about random facts of the you know of the bible you know i want to be specific and be able to mentor them and to help them um but when some of them are more like they do want to be mentored but they're not even you know they're not at that point where they're asking me the pointed questions and they're you know coming in with specifics what's the best way to i guess kind of go about mentoring them so is that from a student ministry perspective? Is that what you're talking about? Well, I've got something to say to that. Yeah. Youth group. Okay. I think um, that's a very good question because you you can't be like, hey, I want to mentor you. Ooh, what a freak. You know, um, <laughs> that's kind of weird. In, uh, <laughs> in, you know, and even in the Bible, like, you know, the the students would ask the rabbi, can you be my rabbi, you know, and what was unique about Jesus is he, he's the only one that imposed himself, like, I'm going to be a rabbi, okay, and what you need to do, um, and I want you to add up, but I just, when he was talking, I thought, just love on them, hang out with them, and let them know you're available, okay, and it has to be in their hearts to, um, that they'll respond like we respond to grace, we respond to love, we, we respond to truth. And I think that's all I want to share. So go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, I look at Peter, James, and John differently after doing youth ministry for eight years. And I, whenever we talk about doing youth ministry, it sounds like you're doing time in jail. Like I did eight years. Uh, so, um, but Peter, James, and John, when you look at them, you know, pre-apostle, Peter, James, and John, they, they were kind of a mess. They're cutting ears off, jumping out of boats, raining fire or calling, you know, fire down from heaven. Um, and yet these are the guys that Jesus spent most of his um, time with out of the 12. And yet these are kind of the guys who really take the, seem to take the lead. So in our youth group, we had these three guys who were those guys. They were the guys that you almost had to keep an extra eye on them you know, because you're not sure what they're going to do at a youth event. They're going to blow something up. Um, and so my tactic was just to invite them over to my home every week. And we would just, um, some of them were musicians, so we'd kind of jam out. Some of it was prayer. Some of it was, you know, just looking at the word. And that time of, of investment 
um, of like Pete saying, just loving on him and not saying, I'm going to mentor you now. I'm kind of a big deal. Have you not heard? You know, nothing like that. Just, man, I love these guys. And it's cool to see where they're at now. One of them is a worship leader at a church. One of them is a men's ministry leader at his church. And the other is a senior pastor of a church in Georgia. Um, So I think taking the time to just love on uh, whoever God's entrusted to us is, is worth it. And um, yeah, I think it just be, have that willingness to, to love and, and pour into them without making it, again, overly formal. I think they're going to find that to be beneficial. I just had one thought is that intimacy is built through shared experience, right? We're all having experience right now, right? And as we're together, we're building some level of intimacy and with that comes trust. I remember um, you know, one of the things that, that always kind of bugged me was people who I, I didn't know how to articulate it until this friend of mine who's a counselor explained it to me. He said, what happens is sometimes people try to like jump. They try to jump things like they try to go too fast into something. So like you'll meet somebody and uh, then they'll be like, I love you. And you're like, whoa, hey, dude. We just met, right? Like, or like you meet somebody and you're like, hi, I'm Nick. And they're like, what's the Lord been telling you lately? And I'm like, whoa, hey, how about we talk about the weather or something? Like, what is that? Why, why do you feel awkward about it? some people? They, they just do that and they just think it's, it's great to be awkward in that way. But see, here's the other thing is that why, why is it awkward? Why is it weird? Because they're jumping levels of intimacy that they haven't earned. So how do you build intimacy so that they will open up to you and they want to hear from you? Well, that comes through shared experience, right? And so even just spending time with them, it might sound unspiritual. Hey, we've got 45 minutes and I'm here to mentor you. Um, Yeah, but they're not going to open up to you unless there's trust and intimacy, but you can't jump those levels and just like make it happen. That's That's absolutely true. I use the term earn the right to be heard. And, and you'll know it. And yeah, you can't schedule this stuff in. It's, yeah, well put. Excellent. As you're thinking through it, especially with uh, teens, you're usually, it, when you're in a mentoring relationship, you're not aiming at a skill set. You're aiming at character development. So the things you probably want to think about as you're spending time with them is how do I think, what do I value, and why do I value it? So that, that's going to develop them as a person, more than a certain skill that you're trying to, to invest in them. Like this is about a certain skill set. That's what we're doing. Uh, whereas character development is probably more what you're aiming at with teens. Cool. Okay, we have one more and then we'll move on. Thanks, Pete. Um, just to, I feel like there, I don't know, I had some ideas popping around in my head as far as like this conversation that was just happening. But would you guys be able to speak to the value? Because I think maybe, I don't know, the Holy Spirit speaking to me, maybe more of what he's looking for is like, what does discipleship look like versus mentorship? Because is that something that you have to gauge in like actually speaking to the maturity of the individual where their walk is with Christ versus like, building them up to be in ministry? Yeah, and that's a good question. It's a distinction that we're all called to be a disciple and disciple others. And we're talking specifically about preaching mentorships. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that look, people can define words in different ways, but in, in my mind, the first thing that registers is discipleship has to do more with just the common things of the Christian life for everybody. 
Um, but a mentorship is more specialized. Uh, it's it's about a specific task or calling that may not be unique to all believers. I mean, all believers are called to be disciples, but certainly not all of them are called to be preachers. So that, that's a distinction I would make. Okay, so big thanks to our panelists, Pilgrim, David, Nick and Rosemary, and Cody and Micah. We really appreciate the wisdom that you shared. And as Pete Nelson was saying at the end, we believe that this sort of relational connection and informal coaching is valuable. And we want to offer Expositors Collective as a resource to you, those of you who are just getting started. If you want somebody to look over your notes or listen and to give feedback to a recording of you teaching the Bible, uh, we just might be able to help you out. Uh, here's what you can do. You can join our private Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash expositors collective, or you can email us at expositors at calvarychapel.com and we'll see what we can do for you. Uh, no promises. If we are flooded with hundreds of people who want help, we won't be able to do that. However, that's pretty unlikely. Uh, we would love to be able to help you grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. We don't claim to be experts, but we all have experience and we would love to help you out. So get in touch, expositors at calvarychapel.com or join the group, facebook.com slash groups slash expositors collective. Uh, message us on Instagram. Uh, we will do what we can. No promises, but a generous offer <laughs> of the time of the steering committee and also the experienced preachers that are connected with the Expositors Collective. We want to help you out. We want to get you going in the right direction. And we just want to cheer you on as you begin this journey of teaching and preaching God's word. All right. God bless. Let's keep in touch. <laughs>